Bring it under the blood. Bring it under the blood. Anything in your mind that you need to make right, bring it under the blood. Now if you want to be clean and have your spirit free, just let Jesus inside Jesus. Amen. There is the blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. That is our protection. That's our righteousness. That's everything. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Have you greeted one another yet? You have. Okay. Well, now that you know who's around you, just let you have your seats for a moment. <clears throat> Lord's given us a wonderful day, and it looks like it feels like I think it is summer, and we're, we're happy for that. Amen. Uh, it was uh, good to be back home. Uh, we were away for a little rest, a little time to be in the mountains, pray and meditate. It's no better place to do that. And so it's good to be in church. We were able to stream some of the services. It's good to be able to connect, and I appreciate all our ministering brothers and uh, the services and uh, we enjoyed it, and I trust you enjoyed it. Amen. While it's uh, also good to be away, I'm also happy to say my wife is doing real well. And uh, we, we actually marveled. We actually marveled that she was actually able to, we were only, I call this rehabilitative, but it was really for all of us. But, we were walking, she even went biking, and she's doing real well and, and eating real well, too. So we thank the Lord for that. We're coming into the summer season, and I know many will be traveling at different times, and we as Canadians need to do that. We need to enjoy the outdoors while it's nice. And so um, I just wanted to, to say that as we are doing that, um, even this next week, uh, next weekend is July 1st holiday weekend, so... We will have one service on Sunday, next Sunday. We still have a midweek service, but um, also some will be going to the Northern Lights uh, camp in Saskatchewan, and so that's this week as well. And so we know there'll be some here, some there. There's always some that travel, some that come. 
even today. Nice to see the Callahans here. God bless you. And uh, I also wanted to say that uh, because we are coming into this season, we're actually about a little less than five weeks away from our annual meetings. And uh, I want you to be keeping that in prayer. And uh, I may not be able to make this announcement to everyone next week, and so I'm doing it today. But I, I just want you to do that. Don't just look at it as a date on the calendar. We are living in a time where, I, I will tell you, the world is literally falling apart around us. And, uh, you know, never have we had as much talk about World War III. Never have we had as much threats. There, there's madmen behind every nation. Um, in the USA, the, the law regarding abortion was overturned, and it's just sparking venom and, and riots, and who knows what's going to happen. And our nation's not immune to that, and people around us everywhere are affected. And I, I need us to look and just say, well, it's, it's a long, far off. I was actually out this morning, and I went for a walk, and I listened to a tape, and this, this was amazing to me as I heard it. Brother Branham would, would say, and, 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 and I, I appreciated what, what was, oh, no, I lost my spot here, but I, I, I appreciated what he said. He says, there's going to come a time, he said, we don't know what it is, if I can just find it. Uh, he says, we don't know what it is to, to have to deal with, with uh, issues, pressures. But he said, there's going to come a pressure one of these days that you're going to have to pray. We don't know what it is to run into a bomb shelter or go up to have, have no home or any of those things. We don't know what those things are. But it won't be long and you'll know what they are. Now, then you'll really pray, he said. Now, I, I don't want to put a damper on the whole service. I'm just saying is we are in that season. And I would like us just to be in prayer. Uh, we're, like I said, a little under five, five weeks away from our meetings with Brother Ron Spencer, Brother Tim Pruitt, Brother Timothy Pruitt. And it's not just a date on a calendar. And uh, Brother Ron was trying to book his flights coming in, and he was having trouble because that very week, the Pope is in Edmonton. And he's going to have a big open-air mass, and he's going to be doing things. And Brother Ron, uh, he just shared with me that, you know, Brother Ron is gifted, and he said the Lord had showed him something. He said it's not a coincidence that the Pope is here. And, and he said, let's be in prayer, because he says he had a vision, and it was Brother Tim and Brother Ron working at the gates of darkness to bring the last ones into the light. And I want us just to set our faces. Friends, we all know people that are not where they should be. We don't know where there's someone that needs to know God. But I say this, let's set our faces in prayer towards that time. And uh, let's, let's, even in your daily walk, enjoy your time outdoors. Uh, and, but I say... Keep the Lord before you always. So we want to do that. And uh, because Brother Timothy connected, he always travels with Brother Tim since Sister Karen passed away. So our meetings will be slightly different. They had their flights booked. They, they had to come in on the Wednesday. So 
that being a little fortuitous, we're going to actually start the meetings on Thursday. And so we're canceling the Wednesday service the week before and the week after, but we're going to have a meeting Thursday night, a meeting Friday night, a Saturday afternoon youth service, a Saturday evening service, and two services on Sunday. And we're looking for the Lord. And you, you all keep that in prayer. Sorry to take the time this morning, but we may, may not all be this way. But let's start now. Let's not wait till then. Let's be looking to it. God has something for us. We can see the devil doing what the devil's doing. But I say God is greater. He's up to the challenge. And whatever he wants to do, we want to be a part of it. We're happy this morning to have the Boyer family here from, from Grand Prairie. I've known Brother Darren when he was just a young man, single, living with two other brothers, stayed at his place, had bachelor breakfast, bachelor lunches, bachelor everything, and Brother Darren has been a blessing over the years. And I've watched him grow and watched his family come together to where it's not just a young man anymore, but Brother Darren is a pillar. He's a pillar in the Grand Prairie area. The church is a pillar in that area. And I believe God has blessed them and put them there. And we want to take advantage of their being here this morning. Sister Damaris is here. I believe the girls are here. We want, we want to welcome him. So let's just stand together. And we're looking for the Lord this morning. God is always faithful. And I believe God has something for us. So you know how you want to make the Holy Spirit welcome? You make him welcome by pulling on the word. By saying amen to the word. Whether it's in your heart, whether it's verbally. Allow God to minister to us this morning. Wonderful, merciful Savior, I believe it's you are the one, if we can sing that. Let's look to the Lord this morning. How many are happy for the sunshine out there? I'm happy for the part that's in here. We're looking for God. We want to welcome Him now. We're going to invite our brother Darren to come and minister. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Precious Redeemer and friend Who would have thought that a lamb Would rescue souls of man Oh, you rescue the souls of man
Praise the Lord. Very thankful to be in the house of God this morning with saints of like precious faith. How many had a battle this morning? I'm glad I'm not alone. Good to be in the company of saints who are ready for a battle and uh, equipped and uh, fighting the good fight of faith. And we, um, you know, this is a big job. Uh, I'm very intimidated because there's a lot of anointed people of God here, a lot of anointed ministers, and uh, you know, knowing that there's a, a transition that's taken place, you just want to see all that the Lord has uh, been doing, just continue to move forward. I believe God is doing great things. And don't want to get in the way of that. So um, I feel a great weight this morning, but I also know God is gracious. So I know God can make a way. If we could take our Bibles and turn to Genesis 1, I wanted to send greetings and love from the saints in Grand Prairie. They wanted to send their greetings to you. And uh, we'll start at Genesis 1. I'm going to maybe do something maybe a little bit different, but uh, in a way of teaching this morning, and I feel that the Lord really pressed this upon my heart. I, I tried to get away from it different ways, but it just seemed to be so real. So I hope you can have patience for me this morning. And uh, I want to speak, I take a fancy title, but maybe the title will be more real. A seventh dimension victory. And so we're going to go back from the, to the beginning in Genesis 1. And before we read God's word, let's pray together. Father, we're gathered around the word of life this morning, the very fountain of life, grace. Every good thing comes from you, Father. And According to your direction, we've gathered, as we see the end time approaching, hearing, oh God, just what our pastor has said, that, you know, we're in a time where we surely see the end time not even approaching. We recognize we're here. 
And we've gathered according to your direction. Gathered under a, a banner of uh, a rapturing faith message that has inspired our lives and made a way for grace like has never been known. And we pray that the grace of God that has brought this word of life to us and has brought the good things of God to so many would continue to unfold this morning. And as we uh, come to this sacred part, oh God, I pray you know the lives that are here and the plan and the mind that you have for using them and winning souls from the gates of darkness. Father, you can, you who knows the lives of the people, I desire that you would take these few broken, feeble efforts you would multiply them in your hands like you've done many times before. You multiplied bread and you fed 5,000. You multiplied a few loaves and fishes and you fed multitudes, Father. How much more could you feed the people of God as we not break bread, but we break the word of life this morning? I pray you'd multiply it in your hands and I, I pray you'd speak Father, as only you can. And Lord, we just pray in this gathering that the, the sincere lives that have gathered to hear from you, Father, if they came in empty, may they leave filled. May they leave touched, Father. If they came in burdened, if they came in seeking you, Father, you said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Yes. And, oh God, I pray that that uh, filling of the Holy Ghost would be an experience here this morning, that you would uh, straighten out, Father, the things that are crooked, that you would enlighten yes. the places where there's darkness, Father. Lord God, that you would bring life where there is sickness. Father, that you would uh, bring liberty where there are weights, there are burdens, Father. Father, you would bring answers where there are questions. Lord God, you are able to do these things, and we ask much. We ask that our joy might be filled this morning. And we, we come to you, Father, with expectations for we, we speak to a God who is unlimited, yes. who is all potentials and all omnipotence, O oh God. And Father, we ask with confidence, for we look to a name above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, Father, we come to you under the sufficient sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect one this morning, you said, if you be lifted up, you would draw all men unto you, Father. That is our desire, that you would be lifted up and receive the glory and the praise, Father. We're, we cannot express it the way we want to, but Lord, may you receive what we have to offer this morning. And we pray that you bless the hearer in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we'll start with Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Amen. You may take your seats. Love to have brothers sit in the front row, so God bless you this morning. And uh, on this side, great to have you uh, present, all, all that are close to the front. Uh, appreciate it very much. Everyone here, good to see you. Um, so God is expressing here that he, how Adam was created and uh, what Adam was given and in, in this, it says it was created in, in God's image. And under that image, he was given this authority to uh, subdue the earth and to uh, all, everything that was in the earth was given to him. And we don't have to question what kind of an image this is because it says in the New Testament what God was. It says in John 4.24 that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if God is a spirit and Adam was made in his image, then God made Adam originally in the image of a spirit. And so it was under that spirit that he gave Adam the dominion, that he gave Adam the authority and, and the rights that he had. And, um, and God intended that. It says also in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So Jesus, by giving a body, was made in the likeness of men, but that was not how Adam was made originally. Adam was made in the image of God, which was a spirit. It also says in John 1, verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only uh, begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So God as a spirit, we don't have the faculties, we don't have the, the tools to, to see God with, with what we've been given, but Adam originally in that spirit form was made like God, and in that spirit form, he, he had the dominion, he had the rights that God intended for him to have. 
And I want to go through this very carefully and maybe slowly for some, but I want to establish something here because it's laying out this, God has a purpose in laying out these things. He, 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 he wants us to be benefited by it. And, and so it goes to Genesis 2. If you still have your Bibles, you can read it, just verse 7. But God changes the scene now and says in, two, in verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So now he's given him a body out of the dust of the earth. Originally, he was given just a, he was given in the image of God, he was a spirit. And it was in, into that that he had the rights that he, he was ordained to have. But now God gives him a body. The body is not what gives him the rights. The, bottom, the body is not what gives him dominion. It wasn't his muscles that gave him dominion. It wasn't his brains that gave him dominion. It was the spirit that God gave him. God just gave him those five senses to contact the earthly dimension. God gave him those senses uh, to be able to, uh, you know, interact with what the creation that God had given him. But that wasn't the original creation that was uh, that was stage two here God giving him a physical body so I'm establishing these things and again it says in Genesis 5 this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. So God is not the author of vain repetitions. You know, he told us not to use vain repetitions. So he's not just repeating himself for no reason here or neither is it, um, you know, without a purpose. He, he's wanting to establish through the book, uh, the beginnings, and, and uh, there's a love story behind this, and it's testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ, so this all has a purpose. And it says here that, you know, Seth, Adam's son, he was in the likeness of Adam after Adam was given a fleshly body. But Adam was not originally in the likeness of man. Adam was originally made in a spirit body. And then um, the Bible says in Genesis 3, I probably should have given you brothers this scripture, but 332, this is an interesting one. It says in Genesis 3 and 32, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know that in that day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." So this deception that he gave Eve, we know that he didn't tell a whole huge lie, 
but he told something that was almost the truth. There was just one little thing that was changed about this whole statement, and that was, you shall not surely. The not surely was the difference. Everything else was true. So God said, the day you eat thereof, you shall die. But, but the serpent was just kind of delaying it. Well, not surely, like not the way you're picturing it, but you'll be like a god. And you'll know good and evil. And so that part was very, very true. And it was interesting what he was trying to tell him. Because he was telling her exactly the truth. He was saying that when you do this, you will have such a, a, a physical sensation. You will have such a physical experience you, he's really telling her, you'll be so in the physical that now you'll know things that you never knew before. So she was in the spiritual, but Satan was trying to get her into the physical. And when he got her to fall into the physical, that's where she fell. And so God is doing this for a purpose because he's outlining his first mind was spiritual. His first rites were spiritual. His first, uh, everything that he gave was in the spirit. And when he fell, she fell into the physical. And in the physical, that word know, you know, if you look at the Hebrew word, it's like, well, she felt or she discovered. But that same word know is like when Adam knew his wife and bare a son. So it's, it's a very physical knowing. It's moving from a knowing where he has all dominion and has all rights. That's a different kind of knowing to a feeling knowing to a, a perceiving knowing with her eyes. You know, it's the same kind of knowing that, uh, that um, Cain knew his wife and she conceived a son and bare Enoch and, uh, and like it says in Genesis, the woman saw that the tree was good. So now she's from the spirit. She knows the day you eat thereof, the day you die. But now she's seen something with her eyes. And that, it, it, when she's seeing it with her eyes, it's overriding what she, what she had in the spiritual. And then it says, and it was pleasant to the eyes. So what she's seeing is creating a certain physical, uh, you know, movement inside of her and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened. So they had all dominion. They had all rights, but now when they fell to the physical, it was a completely different experience. And when, when that happened, they lost the connection to the spiritual. They were stuck in a physical uh, understanding. They were stuck in a physical experience. Their eyes became opened in a different way because they once had a spiritual eyesight, spiritual dominion, and some of that access to that, those rights now were, were lost and it was, it was a fallen condition. And, and the, you know, the... Um, 
It says in the New Testament about that experience in 1 John, it says, love not the world. 1 John 2.15, yes. You're very good up there. You should come to Grand Prairie sometime. This is wonderful. Uh, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it's speaking about the world. But then it uses verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And those three things compare to the three temptations that Eve saw and that took her from the spiritual to the physical. And now in the New Testament, it's saying, this is what's in the world. It's physical. It takes us away from our spiritual rights, our spiritual connection, and it puts us into a physical frame of mind, a natural, carnal, limited way, and it describes it as the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That is the influence of the world. And, um, you know, referring back to what, what it's saying there, it's referring back to the original, the inheritance that Eve originally had, and then what it's like to be in a fallen condition and be susceptible to those things. And, and so we, we know that it, though we were given five senses to contact this earthly dimension, we we're actually given another sense, which is our sixth sense, which is faith. And faith is meant to govern our being. So that if, if faith declares something that is different than what the five senses declare, We're not meant to live by the five senses. We're meant to live by faith in what God has promised. So we're meant to be connected to the things that are not seen. We're meant to believe for things that we have no evidence for because faith, you know, it's an evidence of things not seen. It's a substance of things uh, hoped for, but you can't show it to anyone. You can't share it. Uh, exactly what it is, but when you have it, you know it's real. And so that sense is meant to govern us. The five senses that that Eve, when she when she went from the physical, and then Adam went from went from the spiritual to the physical, they lost their rights. They lost what was eternal. They lost their fellowship. They lost their security. They lost their health. They lost so many things when they went from the spiritual to the physical. But, and God, now, I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm going to approach this exact, I'm going to talk about exactly the same thing, and this may be slow, but I want to show for a moment that When God was writing Genesis, the same pattern that he's laying out there for how Adam and Eve started off in a spiritual condition and they they left in a physical condition walking out of the Garden of Eden and the whole harmony and everything was broken because they they went from from the, the, the eternal into the temporary, into the carnal. And when they went into that condition, it, it's, it's the same, 
sort of the same system that God put together as he was making creation. So I'm going to go back to Genesis 1. If you bring up the slides here, and you see in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And this is kind of building for something. We're going to cover some ground about the seventh dimension victory this morning. And then tonight, I think it'll, it'll take a different turn, but they're really connected. So I hope you can be part of the service tonight because really, you'll get, uh, it really, I think, will bring out a different aspect to this seventh dimension victory. But so God is creating two things here at the beginning. He's creating heavens and he's creating earth. Pretty straightforward. There's two different parts. But what we learn from, from the message of this hour is that when Genesis 1 happened, there's a huge gap of time, perhaps, between Genesis 1, verse 1, and 1, verse 2, when the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the earth. So I want to just remind us of that, that this could be hundreds of millions of years that just took place. God created heavens, and he created earth. And then there's a pause, and there's a gap. And, and we don't know how long that gap is, but it, whatever that gap is, it would explain all the unanswered questions that science has and that they poke holes at, at what maybe the Christians think, they think what the Christians believe, but they don't really understand what is in the Word of God. They don't really understand what a real Christian believes. So in their carnal understanding, they, they don't connect the Genesis 1-1 happens, and then Genesis 1-2, there's this huge gap of time between the two. So then, in, if we look at Genesis uh, verse 2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So now, a whole big gap of time perhaps has happened, but now the Spirit of God is starting to brood over this earth. And it's without form, and it's without void, but God is wanting to bring something forward from, from this uh, creation of His. And it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So at the beginning there was heavens. Or the one heaven and earth. Now there's something different. There's light. And in, in that difference, it says God saw the light and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. So over in the earth, there's darkness. Because there was an earth. And now there's light. So there's this difference here. And... It says, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So we have this separation, and then in verse 6, it says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters, which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. He already created a heaven. It happened a long, long time ago, perhaps. This is not a repeat. He's not just repeating himself 
for vain. There's a reason why this is put there. And God, help. I don't know if I can cover it the right way, but I'll try to do what little I can. And it says, in the evening and the morning were the second day. So now we have something that's taken place here. Uh, we, have, we have some waters, and we have a, a heaven that's different from the first heaven, and we have light. Now, I don't know, you know, I'm just trying to draw something to represent this. So it may be, you know, the polar opposite of what I've drawn, but I'm trying to draw something that, if this isn't, it probably isn't exactly what it's like, but it's taking what the scripture says and trying to give some kind of a visual representation here. So now God has created all of these things but the part I really want to emphasize in, is that he's created all the pillars that are necessary for life. And everything that he's start, created from Genesis 1, um, you know, right down to verse 7, it's in the spiritual. He creates the spiritual conditions first. And then he begins to describe the physical conditions. And he begins to give physical attributes. So the same pattern that he unfolds with creation is the same pattern he unfolds with Adam, the one that was made in his image. And, and by doing it that way, it just gives us a confirmation. It gives us a witness that when God does the, in exactly the same pattern, he's trying to establish there is where perfection lies. There is where all the blessings lie. There is where our connection is meant to be. And so now we get into the physical in verse 9. I'll just cover it quickly. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters called he seas, and saw that it was good. So now we have the waters being separated. Once was darkness. Now it's got earth and waters and heaven. And light. And then it goes in, verse 11, and God said... Let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit yielding and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the her and the earth bringing forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. So I'm down to verse 13. There's already light, already heaven. Then, then he's made a heaven as he's separating the waters and he makes a heaven. And then he separates and makes an earth. And then it says in verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. So somewhere beyond the waters... Somewhere beyond the earth, the ground, let there be lights. There already was light. 
But now he's making a specific physical light. And he's calling one light the sun. He even creates the light that is in uh, the beginning. He creates something in, the, in, the, in a spiritual condition. And then afterwards, 14 some verses later, he creates a physical light and calls it the sun. It's very remarkable. And then he says, um, I'll just read it here. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. This wasn't there in verse 1 or verse 2. Now it's there in verse 14. All of a sudden there's lights for signs and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven. So he took from whatever he was dividing at the beginning from the firmament and makes something way out. I don't know how far the sun is, but it's way out from the earth. We see what the firmament, the firmament is not the dirt. What he's calling the firmament is way out from the earth. Somewhere's different. And God made two great lights. That's verse 16. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And Brother Branham took these. Okay, so now we've got these lights. Before there was light somewhere, somehow, but now there's a sun. And let me put it this way. He created something spiritual at the beginning. And from the message that we've heard, he wasn't just creating, you know, one light was the sun. He was creating dimensions. He was creating an order to the universe, an order to life. And in that order, there was harmony. In that order, there was everything that God intended that was good and that was pure and that was free. And so uh, it had a spiritual quality, and then he put it into a physical condition. And, and, and so Brother Brandon would say it like this in the message countdown. He says, we live what we believe There's six senses, five senses really, but faith makes a sixth sense. And we live in here what we think we call three dimensions. So you and I, we're here somewhere in Edmonton this morning, and we're down on this earth, and that earth was separated, the land from the waters, somewhere in Genesis, and we're down there, and Brother Brown says, you know, we live in these three dimensions. Most people would acknowledge it. They have the training and this kind of thing. Like there's three dimensions. And, uh, you know, down in those three dimensions, but he says that there's more. He says we have, now there is another dimension, which is a fourth dimension, because science has probed into it and found it, and it is radio. No senses of our body can detect radio or television over that ether wave, yet right through us now is coming people's voices, Right through here is coming television pictures. We have nothing in us, no way at all to contact it in ourselves. 
It takes a crystal or some sort, a magnet, to contact that, but it speaks that there is another dimension. So this dimension here, like we're stuck in the three, these are physical dimensions. They have a, they have a physical, uh, measurable quality. But there's another dimension that we can't really measure well with these natural bodies. If we have a tool, we can measure some parts of it. But he's saying that over there into the unseen, there's other things. We see from Genesis, that's the way a man was originally made was in a spiritual quality, in contact with another dimension. But now we've been locked into three dimensions because we're in a fallen condition. He says, I think the fifth dimension is where the sinner go, dies when he goes. I think that's when the sinner dies. He goes, he goes to this. The first thing, he cannot go in the presence of God because he's a sinner and his time is up on earth. Because he's a sinner. He cannot return back to the earth because his time's up. He's in a tormented nightmare. Think of that. So I have down here, there's another dimension called the fifth dimension that when someone leaves the three dimensions of this earth, if they're a sinner, they go down into here. But he goes on to say, now the sixth dimension is in Christ, the saints, dead saints, arresting saints. Complete, who's completely worked, finished on earth, and has entered into a rest with Christ under the altar. Beautifully. You could parallel it like a wonderful dream that you didn't want to wake up. It ain't a dream. It's natural. It's real. But I'm just making a parable. And, of course, the seventh dimension is God alone. So as Brother Branham is talking about these dimensions, he's saying that they exist, and... Um, uh, also in presence, and, and he says that there's, a, there's seven, which is God's number of completion. And he also states in present stage of his ministry, he says it exactly the same. So in two different services, he brings up this subject again, and he says it exactly the same way. And I'll read this for you, uh, just because it helps establish this is what the prophet said. He says, now we have contact through science, the fourth dimension as it was, because coming right through this comes pictures and voices of radio, pictures on television, that our senses does not contact that, but yet they have a tube or crystal that picks up these ether waves and manifests them. So, but we know it proves to us there is a fourth dimension. And then he says again, the fifth dimension is where the sinner, the unbeliever, dies and goes to. The fifth dimension is a horrible dimension. And when a Christian dies, he goes into the sixth dimension, and God is in the seventh dimension. So the prophet's establishing these things. But when, when God created them originally, when he created the light, what we've learned through science is that that light and the, radio, the waves that come off of the, the sun is a form like radio waves, it's the, same, it's the same material, it's just different frequencies and different, different stuff, and maybe Brother Max or somebody's going to totally rearrange this and fix it up for me, but I'm doing the best I can, I'll stay with the scriptures by God's grace, so, but this, this, this you know, it was created in the beginning, the, the fourth dimension, 
And then Brother Branham gives us to understand that there's these other two, and there's scriptures that support that. We know um, the scriptures, uh, like it says in Revelation 17, the beast descends out of the bottomless pit. It says in Luke 17, to the rich man that died, uh, he, he found himself in torment, in hell. And Abraham tells him, uh, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that they would come from, from thence. So the Bible was saying that where, where the man rose in hell, he was somewheres, and then Abraham was somewheres else. But the man that died at the gates of the rich man, he, he wasn't in God's presence. He was in the bosom of Abraham. So they were somewhere different than being comforted by God. Uh, he was up in a place that was peaceful, that was restful, but he was different than in the presence of God. It was Abraham that was there to comfort him. And so we see that there was another place here, and then that would make uh, three here, and then one there is four, and then here's five. And so God's number of completion, so it makes sense that there's seven. Also says in Revelation 6, And when he'd opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. So there was some place under the altar that was different where the saints went when they were slain. They died, they died in the thoughts of God, but they were not in the presence of God. They were under the altar. So if we, if we just take a quick look at this visually, what we see is that when Adam was first made in Genesis 1, he was a spirit. He was somewheres from the spiritual, and he was put on earth here in the physical, and God could come down and visit Adam in the cool of evening. They came down, and they had fellowship together. Adam was in a spiritual condition, Originally, and God was in his spirit, and they came down in fellowship upon the earth. And, and that was the original. And then God made Adam a body in Genesis 2. And that body now could contact all three dimensions the way the first Adam as a spirit could not. And so it was subject to the light and the radio waves that Brother Branham was talking about. But everything was in harmony. And then um, God could come down before the fall and God could fellowship with them even though they were in a physical because they had the rights in the spiritual. They, uh, there was no barrier. There was no, there was no hindrance. So it wasn't the physical itself that uh, was bad. It was that when Eve left the spiritual and w chose the physical over the spiritual, then she ended up in a fallen condition. Let me say, Satan, he has hardly ever changed his tactic. He still loves to try the same approach today. It may be a different lie, but he's always trying to bring the Christian 
who is meant to be connected to the spiritual, who is meant to hear from God, who is meant to be filled with the Spirit, who is meant to have a connection to, to, to the Heavenly Father, he tries to bring them from the spiritual into the physical. And if he can get us to leave the spiritual and hold on to the physical, then he can get us into a fallen condition. And that's exactly what he did to Adam, because when Adam, when he went from the spiritual rights that he had, wanting to save Eve, and Eve, being deceived, fell from the spiritual rights that she had, and became uh, consumed by the physical, then she left the, the rights that she had in the spiritual, and they became in a fallen condition. So now, instead of... Whoop, Instead of Adam being able to contact God and God being freely able to speak to Adam and everything in harmony being eternal in Adam's life, now if we think of Adam like this, death can contact him. Sickness can contact him. Troubles can contact him. The devil can reach in and give him a sunburn. He can reach in and give him old age. He can reach in and give him hunger. And he can give him pestilence, give him troubles, all kinds of things that he couldn't do before when he was in his rightful condition. When he was protected behind the word of God and everything was in harmony, the devil had no access to him. But when he left his spiritual inheritance, when he left his God-given plan, now he became susceptible to all of the attacks of the enemy. He became vulnerable. He became easily uh, deceived because he was in his physical senses. And his physical senses could not have the dominion that God originally ordained for him. He once was like this. He once... Whoop, He once was in such harmony, God could just come down. There was no barrier. The devil couldn't reach him. Everything was just working in such beauty, in such perfection. The devil had no avenue until he got Eve into a physical, holding on to the physical, leaving what she had in the spiritual. Then he had her. And when Adam partook of the same, then he had Adam. So here was man in his fallen condition. Down here somewhere is in Eden. And then he had to leave Eden. And he was no longer in his spiritual state. He was stuck in a physical state. He was stuck not being able to contact the Heavenly Father. He had no way to, to hear from the mind of God. When sickness came, if God didn't make a way, he had no way to know how to be well. When trouble came, if he didn't hear from God, he had no way. Before it was automatic, before it was connected, if something tried to disrupt it, he knew what the mind of God was. He knew what the names of the animals, he knew how to keep the harmony in, in the Garden of Eden that God was, was welcome and pleased with. Now it wasn't there anymore. Now troubles came in and, 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 and all sorts of influences came in that they never wanted, but they were there. The reason being is that they had left and they were stuck in a physical condition. But God didn't leave man there. God made an atonement 
And when he originally made an atonement of a, of a lamb in the Garden of Eden, and he, he made an innocent life pay for the price, the day you eat thereof, the day you die. He kept his promise. He always keeps his promise. He never changes. He never changes his word. He never alters his word. And so he, he made something perish so that they could be back in fellowship. An innocent life had to, had to offer so that Adam and Eve could have an atonement And now Adam is in a condition where sometimes God can speak to him, but sometimes the devil can speak to him too. Everything has kind of come into a, like I'll call it like a shade of gray. There's good and there's bad. There's blessings and there's cursings. There's fellowship and there's fear. And there's the curse of sin. And God can come down like this and meet. And so he comes down and he speaks to the prophets. He comes down and he speaks to the, the, the people of God. And he calls out Israel. This is, what, this is what he's doing through the Old Testament. He's reaching down a man into a physical condition who's subject to all sorts of influences unseen and he's fellowshipping with them. You follow me so far? But he didn't leave man in this condition. Because just the same way as he breathed into Adam's nostrils and he gave him the breath of life to contact the physical, Jesus, before he left on earth, looked at the disciples and he breathed on them again. But this breath was not to give them contact to the physical. This breath was meant to reconnect them back into the spiritual. It was meant to change their experience that they were stuck. They were stuck just trusting in what they could see and what they could feel and what they, what they could know. But now he was going to reconnect them back into the eternal, back into the perfect, back into the all-sufficient. When he breathed on them, he was breathing back into them a spirit of life through Jesus Christ. He was breathing back into them a reconnection to the spirit man that we were always meant to be. And he himself paid the sacrifice. So he himself made the way that, that we could have a recon He was no longer a lamb, but now the Son of God, the perfect lamb, was our atonement so that we were no longer in a gray condition like this, just muddling through. But now we could have a perfection down in the soul. Now the Holy Ghost could reach us from God's dimension and reestablish a channel back to the Heavenly Father, back Back to our rightful inheritance. And that rightful inheritance all, all of the senses now that we've been given 
all of the influences that we're, we're subject to in the physical, God has provided a way to bypass all of those uh, physical things that are trying to tell us this is the way it is and this is how things are going to turn out and this is what you're dealing with. But now God has given a connection to another dimension and I draw it higher because, you know, God is, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. It's not necessarily higher. It's just a way of drawing it. But God has given us a connection that when the physical wants to pull us into this is the way it's going to be, this is what you have to worry about, this is what you're dealing with, we have a connection to say, no, this is what God said. This is what God has promised. This is what God has provided for. This is what the blood paid for. And we can hear that. And that is meant to have dominion over the physical. That is meant to be the way it is. And when these senses get overrided and everything, Everything seems overwhelmed, and we can't, we can't seem to make a high way uh, understand or, or know. Then God has given us a way to override when we're stuck, when we're, when we're wondering. God has given us a way to override every sense, to, to override every feeling, every, everything that, that, that declares this is the way it'll be. What he said is that it's very simple. You're probably well familiar with it, but let me just show you once again in case there's a question. He says it's like this. You just go down and you close your eyes and you, and you bow your head. Basically, you shut off every natural sense so that you can't see. You can't, you can't feel the influence of the physical anymore. If you really get locked in, that you'll shut out all the things that, that the devil is trying to bring in from the natural, and, all, and then you just shut in, and, and if you can approach it the right way, then God will reestablish a connection. If you can come under that perfect atonement, then, then you have a right to hear from heaven. Then you have a right to hear what the perfect mind of God is. There's a, there's a victory when you can reconnect back to the spirit man that we were always meant to have. We were always meant to hear from God. We were meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We were meant to have a perfect atonement. To shake away the condemnation, to shake away the questions, the fears, the, 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 the criticisms, the, the, all the, the contrary things. That connection was meant to override all those things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If we bring a fellowship, rearrange everything. When the, when the natural, rightful, connection to the spiritual takes place it rearranges sin back to its rightful place it rearranges our weaknesses back to their rightful place puts them back on Satan that we can walk strong and free as Jesus Christ it 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 it, it it supplies what we have need of sovereignly, supernaturally. It reorders our life to be in harmony, to be in, in humility, to be in the order of a, of a Christian walking by faith. It, it, it does that sovereignly. We don't have to understand all the, the physical things to do or, or the, 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 the right scriptures to understand. It just does it. 
when you're connected, it just, it just forms Christ in us. Christ, he says, I travail until Christ be formed in you. What is taking place? That connection that we had a right always to have. God made a way for God to reconnect us back into the Spirit, to be formed as a believer, connected with the Almighty God. So that all rights for healing can override what the physical declares. No matter how carnal, how, where we came from, or what we did, but there's a gift that are being poured into the body of God. And there's a connection being established that is over whatever we did in the past, that is over whoever we are and whatever our weaknesses are. There's gifts that God wants to manifest himself through believers' lives. And that right is greater than any of our past or any of our mistakes. That the wisdom and the knowledge and the, and the leadership and the grace of God that is always meant to be the inheritance, always meant to be our, 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 our rights as believers. When that connection is established and it's maintained, there is no way God, the devil can keep the church of the living God from living in it, from receiving it, from, from being uh, filled and overfilled and over refilled again and refilled again because there's a connection established that was perfect, that was ordained by God, bringing us back. I, nobody ever told me I was meant to be connected to the Holy Ghost. Nobody ever told me I was meant to hear from God. But the Lord Jesus Christ did it anyways. Nobody ever put an expectation, oh, you're spiritual. Never, ever did anybody mention that when I was growing up in the world. Nobody understood these things. Nobody talked about these things. But God Almighty did it anyways. And God can do it in every home. God can do it with every trouble. God can do it in every body. It's his mind to bring a, a, a gift to testify, to bring a gift to, to sing like the songs that were sung this morning, to be a blessing to the body. It's God reconnecting to the spiritual, to the eternal. Doesn't matter how old we are. Abraham heard from God when he was a hundred and some years old. And that was before the reconnection was made. So perfect. Doesn't matter how weak we get. Caleb was just as good a man at 80 as he ever was. And that was before the connection was made perfect. So whether we're old or whether we're weak or whether we're troubled, Job showed that no matter what kind of a trial we're going through, no matter what kind of things we've had to bear, there's still a channel that we can hear from the mind of God, that God Almighty has made a way, no matter the troubles, the, 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 the things that we, the natural eye might see, but there's still a way to hear what the mind of God is. As I was studying recently, and it just became real to me, as Peter uh, declared, 
you know, if these things be in you and abound, they make you neither barren nor unfruitful. And, and he declared, you know, add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge and add to your knowledge temperance and add to your temperance patience. And we did a study on it recently because as God made it real, you know, God sent a messenger in this age. And when he sent that messenger, he didn't just leave us to add to uh, our experience faith and to add to our faith virtue. And, and, and through that, to be built, as a, as a prophet took the subject and the service, the stature of a perfect man, and he said, you know, add to yourself these things. But it was so ordained to establish such a, such a real, such an overriding connection to the Spirit that as those things were ordained to be added to the church and God was speaking through his servant, he didn't just bring uh, faith to be added to us, but it was in that prophet to not just preach on faith, but he preached on perfect faith. And it was in that prophet not to just speak on virtue, but he preached that you can have perfect strength in perfect weakness. So he didn't just bring virtue to the church. He brought perfect strength. He didn't just bring faith to the church. He brought perfect faith. He didn't just bring, just have uh, perfect um, knowledge. Faith, Faith, virtue, knowledge. He didn't just bring You know, knowledge is the knowledge of his will. So the prophet could not just speak on doing the will of God. He could not just speak on having the the right to do the will of God. But it was ordained that you and I could have the right connection with Almighty God. It was ordained that that prophet start to speak to us. There is a perfect will of God. And there is a permissive will of God so that you and I could have such an established connection with Almighty God. We could know, Lord, I have tried, I have labored to keep your perfect will. So that when our faith and our virtue is added, that we're not just adding to it, you know, in some kind of hope, but that God has established, I'm not going to leave you without being able to hear, without being able to receive, without you being able to be blessed, without you being able to be a reflection. I'm going to give you perfect knowledge of my will. That he could give you Not just temperance, but if you look at that, that's character. And so, in this day and hour, that God would not just tell us to add to our character, but that we would have a perfect character. He preached that character is a victory, not a gift. That we could not just have temperance over our temper or over an emotion, but that it would be more than just an emotional victory, but it would be a perfect character. Reflected in a perfect bride of Jesus Christ. That in that we would have a perfect prophet. He didn't maybe speak on this a whole bunch, but he definitely stood for it because he said, Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God. And the prophet started to speak that there's Mr. Impatient, that there's Mr. Skeptic, 
and they started believing, but they gave up. But Abraham, being uh, ordained, Abraham held on until... And so that patience could be perfected. He had that prophet speak about that there is a believer that, is, that has something more real than Mr. Impatient and Mr. Skeptic. They have the genuine and they are not afraid to just grab a hold of the promise and hold on till. Because it was ordained in that prophet to bring about a perfect patience. And, and, and so all of those attributes, and, and when, uh, when, he, when I got to brotherly kindness, I thought, wait a second. I know he spoke about perfect love. I mean, I know he spoke about that. But did he ever speak about perfect brotherly kindness? Where, how could there be such a thing? So I said, well, all I can think of is maybe he spoke about perfect fellowship. So I typed it in. Oh, yeah, he spoke about a lot. Every single one of those attributes. It was ordained that there be a perfection. Hallelujah. And I tell you, I was the most blessed when I came to the subject of godliness. For me personally, that the, did the prophet ever speak on that? Oh, I believe he spoke on it. If, you're just, if you have that connection, I believe... He, he spoke on it in a very real way because he, ordained, he, he, he brought us back that the blood makes a way for fellowship and that godliness, he couldn't find a definition of it after searching different places. And then finally he said, oh yes, I found a definition down in this one place. It means to be like God. And so if God opened his word so that we would know what was in the back part of his mind, that we would know the very purpose of why he, he sent us, why we're here, where we came from, and where we're going, if he, if he gave us a, a completely open book, that we would understand the mind of God, that we would understand the plan of redemption, he allowed us to see those things so that we could think like God, so that we could know what God's mind is, so that we could know what pleases God, so that we could be like God. He gave us a perfect word so that we could be like God. So when the Bible says godliness is profitable unto all things, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. In Paul's day, he was trying to say, if you're making tents, it's a faithful saying that God is profitable. When I'm making tents, to have the presence of God is profitable. If I'm a mother with a child and I don't know what to do, then godliness, having God present, is profitable. If I'm with a bunch of youth and there's different ideas and different things, then godliness is profitable right then. If I'm driving down the road and alone and wondering about this and wondering about godliness is profitable right then. If, I, if, if, if I'm in entertainments or if I'm uh, in uh, fellowship or if I'm in a bunch of trouble or if I'm in a bunch of high-pressure situations, godliness is prof. This is a faithful saying, it's, and it's acceptable in all times, in all places. 
God reestablishing a perfect connection so that through the message of the hour, he didn't just bring the Holy Ghost to reestablish a connection, but he did more than that. He was establishing a perfection in that connection. And I believe this is, this is a different type of connection than the sealing work of the Holy Ghost. When you have the Holy Ghost, it reestablishes that connection. And when it's sealed, it's a sealing work, it's a new birth, you're sealed until the day of your redemption. There's no devil in hell that can rip away that connection. There's no sin, there's no mistake, there's no trouble that we could get in that can tear away that connection. You're connected. You're go you came from God and you're going to go back to God. And whatever happens in here, it's just a, it, you know what these five senses do? They magnify how good it feels to be free in Jesus Christ. They magnify what grace it is to know the mind of God. They magnify all the works of God because now we feel how bad it is to do wrong. We feel how bad it is to be lost. We feel how bad it is to be sick, sick that we can experience how glorious it is to be free. How good it feels to know the grace of God, to know the love of God. But they were not meant to guide us. They were just meant to express how God, good God is. That we can experience perfection. The Holy Ghost is different. It's, it, it establishes the connection. It establishes the right for a believer to be an expression of the things of God, to have the Spirit of God present. It establishes that right. But each of these things that we're called to experience in perfection, I want to I wanna say with, by the help of God, I don't believe that they're all the time permanent. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? I hope I can express it the right way. Let's take perfect faith. Perfect faith is, is not a permanent state. It is a connection. The Holy Ghost is a permanent condition. Perfect faith is an experience. It's a state but it's not permanent. I'll give you my testimony. I was, um, thirty-five years old. I was unmarried, and I wanted to be married, but obviously, at thirty-five, I got by this far. Obviously. I don't need to be married. I'm surviving. So if I was asking God to supply my needs, I'm not necessarily in the right channel because I got by this far. I can't say it's a need. So I tried to, all right. If I can't go to God, it's a need. What, what hope do I have? I'm 35. I'm between jobs. This doesn't look good. 
So I thought, all right, well, who else was in this state? And I went back through the scriptures, and I realized, ah, I like this one. There was a lady named Hannah who wanted a child. And she'd been married many years, and she didn't have a child. Obviously, she was going to be fine without a child. Her husband knew that. God knew that. Everyone knew that. But Hannah, to her, she probably knew that in one sense, but she wanted a child. And so she purposed in her heart to seek the Lord. And the Bible says she sought the Lord with prayer and fasting. She went down to be connected, to hear from God, because her body was declaring, I can't have a child. Her other people in the household were declaring, you ain't going to get one. It's fine. You're going to be fine. Her husband, Alcanus, says, ah, I'm good to you. I'm better than you than a child, aren't I? Oh, yeah, you're better than me, but I still want one. So her body and her husband, her headship was declaring, everything's fine. She wanted to hear what God had to say. So she went to the house of God to be, we could say, connected. And as she was praying, there was an experience that took place in the house of God. And there was a minister who stood for the word of God in that day. And he says to her, why? Why are you drunken? Why are you here? And she says, oh, I'm not drunken, my Lord, but, I, but I'm seeking. I'm in bitterness, anguish of soul. And, and so he sort of, something happens, and he turns, and he says, will the Lord give you what you asked for? And that marks the time where God changes the situation for Hannah, and she becomes able to bear a child, and God gives her a son. I said, yeah, I like that one. Because I can, I, because Brother Branham said, you can identify with God any place, any time. God is identified in his characteristics. So I say, oh, I'm 35 years old. Let me do what Hannah did. Says pray, says fast. I've never done this before, but I'm going to, I, I kind of just steeled myself. I said, I'm going to grind this out for three days. I'm not working. I'll just grit it out. I'd never fasted like that before. So, purpose that in that afternoon, and that night was a prayer meeting. So, I went to the prayer meeting, and they said, any prayer requests? And I wrote out a piece of paper, unspoken request. That's what I was asking for. So, as we're praying, the pastor begins to say, Lord, Brother Darren has an unspoken request. He wouldn't ask if it wasn't important. I pray you give him what he asked for. A few minutes went by, and then I began to cry. The whole scene had changed, but something spoke in my heart. That's exactly what happened in the scriptures. That's exactly what happened. That I was trying to identify with Hannah, and now something has taken place that was just sovereign witness 
that the very thing I was yearning for, God allowed it to unfold in the same way as it happened to Hannah. That must mean he's heard my request. Brother, sister, I got up from there, and it was like a substance. I didn't know if I'd be married when I was 100 years old. I didn't know who. I didn't know how. But I knew it would. It was, it was perfect faith. I, you can call it what you want, but Brother Branham, is, is, and I didn't, not, I'm not going to keep you much longer. But Brother Branham said, you know, if you had perfect faith, it wouldn't matter what the doctor said. If he said you were dying, you'd laugh in his face. So at that state, it didn't matter how many failures I'd experienced in the past, how many setbacks. I knew somehow, some way, God had the right one for me. Even when I went to speak to her dad. And he says, well, I thought you'd come and see me. Excuse me, maybe I shouldn't say this. But I was so confident. I thought, yeah, well, I didn't. I was respectful. I was very respectful. But we were in Vancouver, and I'd surprised her, and I'd proposed to her. And, and he said, well, I thought you'd come see me. I'd seen him many times, but I'd never asked him like this. We were asking over the phone. But I just knew it would work. <laughs> even, if it got, even if I dropped the ball that night, I just knew somehow it would come together. You understand? There was nothing that was going to shake. This was mine. So that was, in my experience, that was like a perfect faith. I knew it would take place. And when God seemed to bring you, Damaris and I together, it just seemed to be so blessed. It seemed to be so joyful. It seemed to be such, such God's hand seemed to be in it. Now, many of you know, but I'll just recount it. Uh, about four or five years ago, a different event happened, and all of a sudden, my daughter, who went into emergency just because we thought, well, that would be the right thing to do. It looks like she's got a flu, but she hasn't recovered well, and her eyes crossed, and she's limping. Um, we should go find out what kind of flu this is. And, and all of a sudden, I'm talking to uh, uh, the emergency room doctor, and he's telling me in my face, Three times, 90% of the cases that come in here are not serious, but this is serious. Three times he told me that, we're airlifting your daughter to Edmonton. Be prepared to be there for several months. Be prepared to, she may never walk again. She may never talk again. If it's cancerous, we may have to do series of surgeries. She may not be able to speak. And all I knew at that stage is no matter what happens, I'm going to serve God. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust in God's goodness. And I met with the deacon on the way out, and I said, if I have to watch them cut my baby open, and I have to live with it like that, I'm not going to stop serving him. And so I drove here, and God sovereignly brought a miracle. 
and delivered my daughter in just a few moments of time the next morning. And all of a sudden, a girl who hadn't ate for a week and who hadn't wanted to move for a week, and they were watching her 24 hours a day because if they didn't cut her head open within 15 minutes and relieve the pressure, they said, in this condition, she's gone. She'll be a vegetable. So they were standing there at her side. It was so serious. They had to respond. They had to have a brain surgeon there and cut her open within 15 minutes if it, if it got one stage more serious. But God sovereignly lifted her from that condition that morning. Sovereignly took her, and they were having meetings here that night. And when she heard there were meetings, she was feeling so good, she asked, can I come? And we found out they don't let a girl who's in uh, that state of emergency out for a day pass. They do not let her out. They, they have to keep her in there. It just breaks all the rules. That was a greater miracle. That was a profound experience that God gave us in our home and God's goodness poured out. And my faith had grown since that first experience. But my faith for that need if I was honest, it was by no means perfect. I didn't have perfect faith that she would walk out of their hole. I didn't have perfect faith that God would move in a moment. It was just the grace of God. Amen. I want to say that, brother, sister, to say that God can establish these connections. God can establish these wonderful experiences. He can establish these good things. And if we go from there and we do something, oh, why did I do that? Or what happened? It doesn't mean that it wasn't real. When God brings perfect faith, perfect strength, perfect knowledge, perfect character, it doesn't mean that we're angels after that. It means that he has established a connection to manifest himself in that experience. And we may still be in our humanity after that. We may still need the grace of God to help us after that. But it doesn't mean that he hasn't reflected himself in a wonderful way. That there isn't a real connection that's established. There's a seventh dimension, victory. I, I tried to be short this morning. But let me just close with this. So it so happens, if you see that fourth dimension there, I have to go into this just a wee bit here. They've now, uh, if, you, if you hear the right person, they now have um, established that when the breath of life comes into you, like God breathed into Adam the breath of life, you know, I was taught in school that you take in the oxygen and your body takes in the oxygen and it does all this stuff with the oxygen. But there's something else that takes place. Inside that oxygen, somehow, some way, I may really ball this up, Brother Max, but there's somehow, some way, there's something in that oxygen that's electrons. And in those electrons that are connected to that oxygen, all of a sudden, your body doesn't just take in the oxygen, but by breathing in the oxygen and breathing in something in the three dimensions, something converts from the three dimensions into the fourth dimensions, and it strengthens the electrical being that you are. 
Because the Brother Branham said the fourth dimension is unseen, but it's radio, TV waves, that's electricity, light, electromagnetic, uh, all those things in that. And we are an electrical being. And I'll try to maybe go down that road just a little bit tonight, but just take me, just go with me for a little bit here. Something that we do in the natural, breath. You have to have so much oxygen. If it's just out a little bit, you're in trouble. You have to have this oxygen. But more than the oxygen, there's some, because when you're, let me show you this. When you, when you die, all of the physical thing is there. Your brain is there. Your blood is there. Your, your chemicals are all there. Your potassium, your calcium, your, your vitamin. But the thing that's left is your body will lose its electrical charge. And when your electrical charge leaves, your spirit goes back to God. The body's still there. The physical is still there. But something's left from another dimension. It's left that dimension and it's went to some other place. So when you take in the physical, I want to just establish, when you take in the physical... It translates into something spiritual. It reconnects you. If you stop breathing, your body is going to eventually lose that electrical charge and you're dead. When, brother, when God breathed into Adam and he gave him the breath of life, there was an electrical uh, experience that took place. It was something that connected Adam from the three dimensions that he was made out of the body into the fourth so, Brother Branham, I wish I had time here. Excuse my length. But Brother Branham said in uncertain sound, he said, now you're born made of 17 elements, 16 elements. And he said one of them is cosmic light. This is, this is, just, this is just Amazing. They hadn't even discovered there was such a thing that existed called cosmic light until the 1950s, I believe. And they used their instruments, and they used their training, and they used their formulas to say, well, there's probably something like this. And then they used their instruments to say, yes, there it is. It's called cosmic light. And all of those things that they put together to determine that there was cosmic light, the prophet he was, connected by, he was connected to more than formulas, to more than machines. He was connected to another dimension. And somehow, some way, though they had barely even discovered there was such a thing, the prophet declared to the church, there's cosmic light. And he says, it's in your bodies. And he says, when you're born, you're born with four rays of it. How did those four rays of cosmic light get into little baby? How did they find where that, because that baby was in the womb. So how did four rays of cosmic light get into the baby's womb? And you only get the four in there. But when you get out and you live and you breathe and you eat and you get stronger and you get smarter, but you can't add any more. You can never get five. If you lose one, you can never get it back. Isn't that frustrating? 
You can't get it back. You only got four. When mama eats, and she has given, God's ordained that she's a carrier of the gift of life. The only way you can explain it is when mom eats this and that and this, there's a reaction that takes place in the womb of a mother that creates cosmic light in that child. How else can you explain it? That four rays could find itself in that child, but five rays or six rays will never find itself in a strong... I, I do exercises, I try to eat right, but I'll never get six. I only have four, and I'm probably short some at 52 years old. But when mom had me, I had four. When she took in the physical, something took place and it crossed a dimension. Because the prophet did not just declare that there's cosmic light, but he says, there's cosmic light in you. The same thing that told him what the instruments were barely just declaring now said, but it's also in you. And he said, not only that, but you have four rays of it. And so you leave that and you say, well, if Adam could breathe in oxygen and it connected him to the fourth dimension, and mothers being ordained to carry the gift of life could birth a child with four, with, and that child would have four rays of cosmic light that would somehow sustain it. I know you're looking at me. What, what, uh, what's going on? But let me say this. If those things from the physical can connect you into the spiritual, what if we feed on the word of God? Because Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So those same oxygen molecules that, same, that, might, that bring in some kind of electrical charge and make me connected to the fourth dimension, even though I can't feel it, even though I don't know when it's good or bad necessarily, but the physical connects to the spiritual. If you can receive the word in the right atmosphere, into the right conditions, it will connect you into the spiritual. If you can feed on the word of God in the right way, in the right humility, in the right service, in the right heart, if it can find the right bedding grounds, it will connect us to the spiritual. It's got the potentials. The same way what we see in the, in the natural and what we know in the natural connects us into the spiritual, even a way we can't explain, God does it the same way. So when, when you recognize this message is eagle food, then you've heard from your theophany, when you recognize there is a source of life here, I see that when I feed on this, there's a strength that comes. There's a, there's a power. There's a life. There's a joy that comes. There's a victory that comes. We've heard from another dimension. We've heard from a place that's beyond what the human mind can put together. So when, when the Bible leaves us this promise, and it says, blessed is he to everyone that hears this promise. So I'll close with a blessing. 
everyone that hears this is blessed. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets. The mystery, part of that mystery is we were meant to always be able to hear from God. We were meant to have our prayers answered. We were meant to have the word come alive. We were meant to see the word of God overcome in our lives. We were meant to be see the word of God unfold in, in our, as our victory. That was our rightful state. The part of that mystery is finished, reconnected, reestablished. You can have the, the rights of the inheritance. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall be, make thy belly bitter, and it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. As the book is open, and as we feed on the word of God, it establishes the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word that's open meant to reestablish us to our spiritual victory, our spiritual inheritance, our real true rights of dominion, the real true rights of, hey, I'm from Grand Prairie. It's a small town. You know, when you're in the big city, you're very time conscious, very, let's keep things moving. Forgive me, I'm from a small town. I, I, I do whatever. Well, you know, we drive with muddy cars and we don't wear nice church clothes every time and we're all like happy. So if I go a, a little bit long this morning to say, he doesn't know any better. But there's a, there's, there's, see, the Bible is it pro prophesied that here is this book open. This book that, that God has given. It's not closed. It's open to reestablish the wonderful benefits, the wonderful joy, the wonderful things that can, God can do in our home, that God can do in our prayer life, that God can do in our devotions, that God can do in the body of Christ. Reestablish all of those victories. Reestablish all of the good things that God will bring to the church of God. Coming down, showing the connections restored. Coming down is a mighty angel. No longer in a different place. Coming down. Book open here. Feed on this. Be reconnected. Be enriched. Be uh, filled. Be refilled. Be sustained. Reconnect with what's in the spirit. All those things that are eternal are things that we can't see, that we can't put a price tag on, that we can't necessarily measure, but they're more real than what we know in the physical. He's come down, restored that mysterious part, restored the spiritual part, that men were not meant to live and walk just in what we know and understand, but the unlimited potentials of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
fellowshipping with sons and daughters, fellowshipping with girls in the third and the fourth row, fellowshipping with sisters and brothers. The unlimited grace of God. When that book is open, coming down for me and you is a victory. Thank you for your patience this morning. Let us stand. Yes, I'm longing, longing for Jesus. I have a longing in my heart for you. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. I believe he's done great good things. I believe that we ought to praise him. Amen. Yes, I'm longing, longing. You're going to have to help me, Brother Michael. Do we sing that? Long, I'm so- longing, long, longing, longing for Jesus. Just to 